Open up your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 2. Um, I'll be careful the way I say this, but is anybody here depressed today? Uh, is anyone discouraged about anything? I, I realize that um, that's a, a common a theme for us. And much of life we struggle uh, to fight against it, to find some happiness, to find some joy, uh, to find some reason to get up in the morning. Uh, and that's uh, a problem for really everybody, uh, except for kids, R- real small kids. Uh, they bounce out of bed in the morning. And maybe that's one of the reasons that you're struggling uh, because of your kids bouncing up in the morning. Um, the book of Philippians is over and over and over and over and over again uh, talking about joy, talking about joy. And this morning, uh, I want to kind of tip our heads and, and crank our heads to look at what, where, and, and how we can have this joy. Um, I realize that uh, each one of us can struggle in different ways with this. Uh, and it's interesting um, you know, I think of someone who, who lays in a hospital bed struggling with joy because their body isn't doing what it should be doing. And you say, well, how can you have joy in the hospital? Uh, you can have joy in the hospital knowing that you're in the hospital. A hospital where they have uh, people that are uh, tending to your needs and that somehow you can pay for that or somebody's paying for it somewhere. Um, you can have joy about that, and even uh, that people have cared enough about you to take you to a hospital. Um, you think about uh, your children, and uh, how many of your children have disobeyed before? Uh, so you're saying, well, are, are you saying all at the same time? And, uh, you know, uh, yeah, uh, you can look at that and go, oh, I'm doing a terrible job. Everything's awful. I, I, well, the very fact that your kids are there um, and that you have the blessing of them and they're healthy enough to disobey you. Uh, um, you know, that in and of itself. And, and there's this thing, for us, it's where we're focusing on, where we're focusing on and what kind of value we place on what we're focusing on. What I mean by that is this, that... Um, uh, you, you might look at things uh, in the hospital and say, I'm dying, I'm dying. And so it's hard to see how nice the hospital is. Uh, you, you might look at the, you know, I mentioned kids, and you, you might think uh, the health of your kids, if they're not walking with the Lord, that maybe that doesn't rate in your mind. And so this morning, I, I want to give you uh, really a beginning section uh, as Paul's going to work us through a very important issue of confidence this morning. A very important. Uh, and so I hope that you're listening. I hope that you're listening. I, I realize that some of you don't listen. Uh, I, I'm not going to point any you know, you know, fingers or anything like that. And I realize I, I've been a, a, someone who has gone and listened to the preacher. And uh, you know, even worse than some of you, I've thought, ah, I can do better than that. You know, uh, uh, but this idea that it's not about the preacher, it's not about the setting, 
It's about a message from God, one that we can really cling to, one we can hang our hat on and we can have confidence in every day. And so it's found in Philippians chapter 2. If you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you. I'm sorry, let's go to chapter 3. We've been in uh, chapter 2 long enough. Follow along as I read, starting in verse 1. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out uh, for the evildoers. Look out uh, for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who, who worship by the Spirit of God and the glory and glory in Christ Jesus. And put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself uh, have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh. I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day. And of the people of Israel. The tribe of Benjamin. A Hebrew of Hebrews. As to the law a Pharisee. As to zeal a persecutor of the church. And as to righteousness under the law blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I might know Him and the power of His resurrection and may share His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, that by by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. God, we ask Your blessing on Your Word. Uh, We ask that we would be able to understand and hear it well, that we would apply it to today and the days to come. Help us with this important concept this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Uh, As I shared before, uh, this reoccurring theme of joy comes up over and over and over and over again. And uh, it says, finally, brothers, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. And I think that if you just want to focus on that, if you're feeling pretty like you have a small capacity this morning, that's your verse. Rejoice in the Lord. That uh, your joy or your ability to enjoy this life should be found in Him. In Him and and not in the other stuff. Not in the other things uh, that everyone else looks to to uh, give them joy. Uh, in searching and, and thinking about where can I find joy, um, you, you know, there's there's some people who love great weather, great weather. We've had great weather, by the way. You know, if any of you complain about the weather this summer, you got problems. Um, you know, it's even there's even green weeds out there somewhere. You know, I, I mean that's an amazing thing to be in July and there be green weeds here in Tehachapi. Amazing, beautiful time of year. Um, but uh, some, some people love the weather. You know, I, I grew up in Santa Barbara, and uh, if you like mild climates, there it is for you. 
You know, it's uh, during the chilly winter months, the temperature is 68. And in the whew, super hot uh, summer months, it's 74. You know, uh, uh, that, that, that's what it is. Uh, I, was, I always laughed. Um, Rebecca's family is from Grants Pass, Oregon. And there's a big sign kind of like Bakersfield over the main drag there. And it says, Grants Pass, it's the climate. It's the climate, like it's the greatest in the world or whatever. Uh, I've been up there where a week and a half straight, it's rained every day. Uh, it's, it's the climate, you know, blame it on the climate, I guess. I don't know. But, but sometimes we look at the weather and we, we look at things and we say, oh, I'd never live here or I'd never live there because of the weather. And, and in our minds, we're saying, I can't be joyful. I, I can't handle it because of the weather. Because of the weather, or uh, maybe it's something else that we look, uh, once again, to our health, or our finances, or phase of life. Like, I, I realize that uh, the older you get, that your life just kind of gets smaller, gets smaller. And especially the folks here in uh, Bear Valley, uh, a lot of you were very important people once upon a time. And life is smaller now. Uh, you know, you, you're, you're finding that it's more difficult. And I want to tell you, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Uh, it's not that your job makes you important. It's not that your phase of life, it's not the weather. Rejoice in the Lord. And, and that's your place. That's, that's your foundation. Do you, do you realize what a shaky foundation that other thing is, right? Whatever that other thing is. Uh, some of you say, well, yeah, I'm a very smart person. Yeah, today you are. Today. Uh, but you know what? Your mind could go. Uh, you, you, you may not be able to recollect all those things. Or even worse, uh, the things that you knew become obsolete. That uh, They're no longer the way to do things. Um, I, I want to encourage you, rejoice in the Lord. Um, th- this is where our joy can be uh, found and founded upon. Uh, that, that's the place, and it doesn't depend on anything else. Anything else. Uh, and so he calls uh, his readers to rejoice in the Lord. We realize that um, most of the New Testament, the the churches um, experience persecution all the time. And so it's a funny thing uh, when I'm out and about and I'm, uh, I see people that I don't see on a regular basis, they say, hey, how's the church going? And uh, some of you have asked me this question and I say, it's going great as far as I know. Uh, and, and sometimes they even follow up with, yeah, yeah we're do- it's going great. We're about two weeks of- from a church split, you know, uh, if uh, if we do some things wrong, we can split this thing. We can blow the thing up. That, that's just the way people are. Um, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. This idea that we don't have to make our joy contingent upon anything else. And so this is what Paul wants to share with this group of people that are part of a church just like ours that from time to time are persecuted, sometimes more intensely than others. He calls on them to rejoice in the Lord. 
And, and I want to say this, that God saved you to be rejoicing. He saved you for that. He, he saved you to take you out of the despair of your own sins to find joy in Him. This is a transition. This chapter transitions. Verse 1, he says, Finally, brothers, rejoice in the Lord. And then he says, To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Um, it's interesting uh, having students in my household, kids, if you will, uh, they go to school and they're all about accomplishing. And I, I, some of them more uh, driven for accomplishment than others. But the idea of finishing the class, finishing the class. And I love the way kids talk about school. You know, say, well, where are you in math? I'm taking geometry this year. And then they finish it and they say, I am done with geometry. I'm done. I'm never doing that again. Uh, you guys remember the feeling, right? And it's a good feeling, by the way, especially when it comes to math. You know, uh, there are things that math is used for. Uh, most of it is your own sanctification uh, through trials and persecutions. But um, uh, you, you're done with that class. You're done with that. You're over it. Uh, and what Paul's talking about, the things that he wants to share right now, the things inspired by God for him to share are things to be gone over and over and over and over and over again. Uh, when should we stop going over these things? Never. Never. Paul, Paul says going over, reviewing these things is a safeguard to you. It's part of uh, your health, your spiritual health is going over these over and over again. I want to encourage you, that's the thing of the Scriptures. Uh, if you are around the Word of God, you're in it, you're studying it, you know what? Uh, you might study some books over and over and over again. Uh, you might have been in a church where the very passage that I'm going to preach to you in the next weeks, you, you've already gone over it. Some of you have gone over it in this church. I remember when Mike Boys preached through the book of Philippians. I remember him preaching the very message that I'm, I'm going to share with you this morning. And so the, the idea of going over it again is good for us. It's good for us. And there should be a drive in us to review the Scriptures. And for those of you who have not been in the Word of God, this is a new thing to you. First time, it's great. Uh, first time uh, to, to dive into passages. It's all new. He wants to go over the gospel, the, the gracious and graceful gospel of Jesus Christ. And he wants to share it with them over and over again. He's already told them about this. He says he's already written to them about this. But he says, I, I want to do it again. Why? Because it's good for you. It's good for, to safeguard your heart. As we look at it, we pick up in verse 2. He says, uh, and really there's just really two points. Confidence in the flesh this morning and confidence in Christ Jesus. He says, look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for uh, those who mutilate the flesh. Uh, then he goes on in verse 3. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God the glory, and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Those are the two points, those two verses. Verse 2, verse 3. First one, confidence in the flesh. And I, I want to give you the, the kind of the, 
the overarching theme of this chapter or the backdrop of what, what he's talking about. Uh, there's a word here, Judaizers, Judaizers. And if you can picture this, uh, if you look at the Old Testament, God uh, called uh, a specific people, the Jews, to himself. And as part of that, he gave them laws that they were to obey. They were to obey. They were to do. And as they obeyed them, or disobeyed them, it showed where their heart was at all the time. And it didn't show them to be successful. In fact, it showed the complete opposite. For their inability to follow after God faithfully. And their need for grace back to, uh, to Him. You come to the New Testament, and uh, the, those Jews are ever-present, and yet uh, as Jesus comes, they realize, oh, he's a Jew. Oh, he's going to think like we think, and, and really be uh, o- obedient to the law, and he's going to do everything, and he's going to feel like it's this chart where we succeed on. It's the scoreboard, if you will. That we can, you know, and the, the Jews loved these laws. In fact, they made other laws off of these laws. Thinking that somehow in their pride that they would be able to be great with God. Be great with God. Uh, God's never, uh, that's never been his intention. His intention was to take people that were nothing and make them great because of their relationship with him. And so we come to the New Testament. Jesus comes. He's a Jew. He gives his life for sinners. And the Jews has just upset the apple cart with them. They, they couldn't accept him as Messiah because they wanted to be great and they wanted to be thought of as great. And he said, all men are dead in their sins. All, all men need a savior. All men need to uh, understand their own sinfulness. And this was tough for the Jews to take. And so as Jesus gave his life, there was this, this idea. In the book of Acts, you realize that all men are called to the Jews first and then to the Gentiles. And as you come to these New Testament churches, uh, Jews being those uh, who part of their family is being connected with those Old Testament people, and then uh, the others are Gentiles, are uh, you know, so other passages that calls them Greeks is all those other people, the other people. And so when, uh, so as we look at this, Paul's really getting at, and we'll see these in the weeks to come, is that there are some people that as they understood the gospel of Jesus Christ, they go, oh, that's great. Uh, you should come do everything that we Jews do. We want to make you like us. As you trust in Christ, then come, get circumcised. Come, follow the laws. Come, do everything uh, that we do as Jews. And Paul addresses this in the most strong, strong language that you can imagine this morning uh, as he addresses this group of people, the Judaizers, those who want to make Gentiles Jews, uh, specifically by circumcision. And... The title of verse 2 in my mind is Confidence in the Flesh. Confidence in what we can do. Uh, Things that we can do. uh, uh, Steps that we can take to somehow be right with God. If I do this, God will be happy with me. 
If I do this, I'll be part of His team. If I do this, I can have confidence uh, in my whole life, and it's specifically when it comes to the things of God, which is at the core of everything that I do. Confidence in the flesh. Paul refers to this group of people that desire circumcision to be uh, the thing that marks them as right with God. He says about these people, he says, look out for the dogs. Look out for the dogs. Now, this is a tough, tough thing to talk about in a day like today. A bunch of dog lovers here. And he said, oh, man, look out for the dogs. You mean the people that are part of our family? You know, pets are people too, you know. Uh, and I love my dogs. He's talking. No, he's not talking about dogs in that sense. In fact, um, one of the the separation, a, a dog uh, was a filthy animal. Uh, I don't know if you know that about dogs, even those of you who love dogs. And when you start kissing your dog, it just kind of grosses me out. All right. Uh, we have a dog that stays outside for the most part, and he's a gross dog. Like, don't ever kiss my dog. I know where that dog's been, okay? Um, it's interesting, uh, growing up as a youth pastor in, in high school, we'd go down to Mexico, and we, mostly border towns, uh, Tijuana, Rosarita. And, uh, we would work with the different missions organizations there, and it was always interesting, uh, even as a youth pastor, to go down there, and we'd, we'd be in these, you know, densely populated, you know, shacks and everything like that, and uh, We'd always go down there, and the girls would go, oh, look at the cute puppies. And there's these just mangy-looking, disgusting dogs of the streets. And we're like, don't touch them. You know, and they're like, no, they're so cute. No, they're not cute. They're disgusting. And, uh, and, and that's the picture of what he's talking about. And, and not so much even the, the gross-looking dog, but the fact that they're dirty. The fact that they're dirty. And as he, he's going to say three things, and none of them are complimentary. He, he's not saying, and, and he's doing this not just to be mean. Sometimes uh, we call people names to be mean. He's not trying to be mean. He's trying to strongly identify for these people the danger, the danger of them going back to the Jewish system not the Jewish system of the Old Testament, but this idea that somehow we can be right with God. Somehow we can do things that, that He will somehow be happy with us now. He's not happy with us, but now He will be. Okay? So the first thing He says, beware of the dogs. Beware of the dogs. The second word He says, He, he says, uh, beware of the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for the evildoers. Now, um, these Judaizers, they thought they were super spiritual. They thought they were getting it right. They thought they were a higher level, okay? And we have people like this today. Uh, they may not be Judaizers, but they would say, uh, you know, maybe it's some, some other thing. Uh, how much you go to church, how many Bible studies you've been a part of, how many classes you've gone to. I, I took this seminary course, blah, 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 blah. Something like that where they somehow think themselves better, that they somehow found a better place, that I am super spiritual because of this. And, 
and it's interesting. He says, they think, you know, they're the holy ones, but really, what are they? Evildoers. This practice of taking Gentiles and having them circumcised and having them enfolded in all the Jewish laws is not the right way. In fact, it's evil. It's evil. Paul's using some extremely strong language. Dogs, evildoers. And then lastly, he says this. Uh, Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. (laughs) Mutilate the flesh. Now, circumcision is a very difficult thing. As you look to the Old Testament, uh, you, you really don't have a whole lot of reason why. God doesn't explain himself in a way that says, I know, I want you to know everything about why I have you do this. He doesn't. He just says, do it. And by the way, uh, if God tells us to do something, we should do it. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what it is. You say, well, it sounds silly. Uh, It's God. It's God. The God of the universe. The God who made you and I. The God who, who loves us so much. The God who's in charge of eternity. The God who... Uh, deserves our worship. But, but this is interesting. So in the Old Testament, he called his people to circumcision. And it was an act of obedience. It was something that marked them, set them aside as his very own. But now, but now, as we come to someone outside of that covenant, a Gentile, the idea of going back and the idea of thinking this is something special and somehow doing something greater, it's now no longer for these Gentiles an act that is commanded and an act of worship. But because it doesn't have a spiritual benefit, it has a pride benefit. They're mutilators of the flesh. There is no purpose to it. And he says, watch out. This is strong things. It's it's mutilating the flesh. It has no purpose. I want to tell you that um, acts of pride, acts of pride in in our relationship with God, they have no purpose. They they gain no merit. They, They aren't what God has called us to. And what that is, is you and I putting confidence in the flesh. The the idea that we are doing it, that we are making it happen, that we are the ones who make ourselves right with God. Confidence in the flesh. Well, that may be hard to understand, but verse 3 tells us the right way to go about this, the, the confidence in Christ Jesus. And I want to tell you, it boils down to this. We are Jesus' people. We are, we are the ones who trust in Christ. We're, we're going to celebrate a time here this morning. It's a r- reminder, right? It's something that reminds us of where our confidence is. Confidence in Christ Jesus, Jesus' people. That's who we are. He says this, verse 3, he says, For we are the circumcision." who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. First of all, he says, we are the circumcision. Um, This idea that 
circumcision. He's not talking about it in a physical sense, but he's talking about it in the group of people that would be followers after God, part of it marked by him. He says, we are that, not because of circumcision, but because of what follows. Not because of something that we have done, but because something that Jesus has done. And, And you need to think about that this morning. Why are we right with God? It's not because of something that we've done. It's not because of the t-shirt we wear. It's not because of the place or the the situation or even our attendance at church. Why are we right with God? Because of what Christ, what what he's done. Um, As we move on, he he says, we we are the circumcision. Uh, we, We are the circumcision. And then he says this, who worship by the spirit of God. Worship by the spirit of God. We are dependent upon him. This, this section turns the focus off of our flesh that was weak, that was sinful, that couldn't do it. It turns it towards the God who loves us so much. The God we are dependent upon for everything, including our worship of Him. The Spirit of God. Worship by the Spirit of God. And then it says this, and really this is our focal point this morning. And glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Those are meant to go together, but I want to separate them because I think it's important for us to see uh, how they're two parts uh, that are very valuable for us to understand both. First one is glory in Christ Jesus. Um, when I think it's probably easiest to understand uh, for those of you who are grandparents here, uh, have, have any of you grandparents ever shown a picture of your grandkids to someone else? Some of you are super embarrassing. Like you stop people in the grocery store and, uh, you know, they have kids and you say, your kids are cute. But if you want to see some really cute kids and you whip out your phone and then it becomes an electronic disaster because you're trying to figure it out. I know they're on here someplace. Please hold on. Uh, you know, and you're, you're showing, uh, you're glorying in them. You, you're saying, this is what is great about this life. It's my grandkids. And the idea of glorying in Christ Jesus is this, that as you separate all of life and what is it that you are really fixated upon, What is it that you treasure? What is it that you desire to magnify and to talk about? It's Christ Jesus. And you put that next to, well, we've already talked about, things that you've done in the flesh. How does that compare? The glory of Christ Jesus. It's interesting. He doesn't just say the glory of Jesus. Why? Because Christ focuses on him being the Messiah, the one that came, and the one that went to the cross, okay? Jesus was his name. Christ is the, the position, that role he played in, in redemption history. You, you look at that and you say, I glory in Christ Jesus. I, I glory in, in, in the man Jesus who went to the cross on my behalf. It's interesting, uh, I think all of us like bragging about, to some degree or another, about something we've done and accomplished or whatever. But when we talk about Jesus and specifically the cross, 
what do we have to talk about? What, what did we contribute to that? We did contribute something, right? It was our sin that we contributed. That, that was our connection to the cross. That was our, that's our connection to Jesus. We didn't add something to Him. He took something for us. He did something that we could not take care of on our own. The glory in Christ Jesus. Think about that. And glory sometimes is a difficult word because it seems sort of vague, but it's the idea that we put that at the forefront of the conversation. That's, that's at the heart of who we are. It's the thing that we treasure. It's the thing that we will not do without. It's the thing that we can't stop talking about. The glory in Christ Jesus. The second part of that, these meant to, meant, they're meant to go together, is to put no confidence in the flesh. To put no confidence in the flesh. And that's a purposed thing that we would do. That we would remind ourselves over and over again, this is not about what I've done. Uh, why should you sing the song Amazing Grace more than once? As a reminder, right? Amazing Grace is a song speaking of man's sinfulness and that God's grace, His amazing grace, is applied to us and makes us right with Him. It takes care of our sin. It's the idea of reminding ourselves over and over again, I will put no confidence in the flesh. Um, This passage, I'll tell you where it's going. I still want you to come the next few weeks. Um, Paul's going to talk about his the possible things that he could put confidence in and others do. And he's going to list them out. And then he's going to talk about what you should do with the things that you're tempted to put confidence in. What you should do with them. And how he walks in faith, this idea that he puts confidence in what Christ has already done. He glories in that. How does he do that? That's what we're going to be talking about in the next weeks. You look at this passage and you realize that um, when I hear that word confidence, by the way, uh, I think all of us want to be confident, right? Uh, the insecurities of this life are many. And so we're like, oh, how do we be confident? How do I become more confident? I, I'm not confident in that situation. I won't go in it. Uh, I, I want to tell you that confidence in life really is, you, you still need a foundation, right? Right? It's interesting to me how uh, incredible businessmen, uh, people in movies that are beautiful, uh, we look at athletes that are incredibly accomplished, that can do things that no one else can do, how they're extremely confident in those things and extremely insecure in everything else, right? And they they struggle with life, and sometimes we see... uh, People who seemingly have it all and they take their lives and you're going, why? Why? I don't get it. It's because if your confidence is put in things of this life or things that are insignificant, there's an end to it. There's an end to it. And the confidence that we're talking about this morning is not confidence that you think you got it going on. Your confidence is the idea that you know you are right with the holy God who made you. Because of his son, Jesus Christ. If you know that's right, none of the other stuff of life is of any consequence, right? 
If you fail in this area or that area or embarrassed in this or it doesn't turn out the way you want it, that's no big deal because confidence, not in my flesh that's incapable of doing anything right. Not in that, but my confidence, my glory is found in Christ Jesus. That's the hope. That's the confidence that you can have today. I want to give you three things just in summary when it comes to confidence before God. First one is this. Confidence does not come from yourself. It doesn't come from you. Don't look, don't, don't look inside yourself for confidence. It's not about you figuring out uh, something good about yourself, something great about you, some accomplishment that you can do. It's not that some do-it-yourself project. Confidence does not and is not found in you. Secondly, in progressing here, confidence comes from knowing you're right with God. Knowing that you're right with God. It doesn't matter. Some of you have appointments this week with doctors. And it doesn't matter. You, you, you can go to that boldly. Why? Because it doesn't matter what that doctor says. If you're right with God, confidence comes from being right with God. And then lastly, I'd say it this way. It sounds repetitive, but I don't believe it is. Confidence comes from trusting in Jesus. Trusting in Jesus. Um, kid's song that says, Jesus loves me, this I know. This I know. Uh, and you say, oh, that's a kid's song. It's a kid's song. It is a kid's song. But don't forget it when you get old. Don't forget it. Because there's going to be days when you wake up and you say, oh, I don't know, there's so many cares and concerns and the fears of life overwhelm you and pile up and they pile up and they pile up and you say, I don't know how I'm going to make it today. Jesus loves me, this I know. It's because of Him. It's because of what Christ has done for you. As you trust in Him, you can handle any day. Confidence in Him brings confidence to everything else. Please join with me in prayer. God, I pray for the hurting here this morning who are struggling with the hurts and sorrows of life that are struggling to be joyful. God, I ask that you grant them release from those things and that it would be replaced with a trust in your son, Jesus Christ. God, as they uh, enjoy that relationship of being right with you, that they would feel no pressure uh, by the things of this life, but they would be able to have joy in the midst of all kinds of different storms. God, I, I ask that you would remind us of these, uh, this truth, this basic truth, that it is not about what we can accomplish, but it's about what your Son has already done. God, help us to be people who glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. God, uh, bless your church. Remind us of your word this week, we pray in Jesus' name.